Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your new go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. This season of Freelance Writing Coach is sponsored by Select Few. Select Few provides transparent, flexible marketing teams made of pre-vetted freelancers. Establish action plans, discover missing pieces, and then build and manage a team of pros in everything from copywriting to Facebook ads to web design and outsourced sales. No white labeling, no markups, just flexible teams of expert marketers ready to get to work. If you run a business and need help with marketing, head to selectfew.co. And if you're a pro freelancer looking to work with new clients, head to the same address or send an email over to team at selectfew.co. Tell them Kaylee and Emma sent you. When we talk about freelance writers and their websites, I think that it's very much an opinion piece because there are so many different ways you can go with this. And I think the place I want to start is saying that, in my opinion, too often people get hung up on their website, what it looks like, the fonts, how they present themselves. In my experience, most of my work comes to referrals. So a lot of people just don't even bother to look at my website. So my first question for you is, how important do you think the website is for a freelance writer? Kaylee, I love this topic and I love how you introduced it. Just being like, <laughs> it's a, it's first of all, it's an opinion piece and I don't even know if a website is important. Like, I just love that you started on a sort of downbeat. Like, it doesn't even matter. So I agree with you that the website is not where your focus should lie when you're starting out. I think websites matter. They are your digital presence on the internet. They can do so, so, so much for you, but it's the wrong place to start. When I work with coaching clients, I talk to them about a minimum viable website. That's what I call it. (laughs) And I'm like, you just need a page so that if someone Googles you, they know you're a freelance writer. That's all you need when you're starting out. And we can, we'll talk in this episode about the evolution of our own websites, but I agree with you. Like if you have just a place on the web where someone can find out that you're a writer, that's kind of all you need to start. Even, I mean, you could even do it with a LinkedIn profile. I see so many freelance writers spend time updating their website, perfecting the copy on their website, thinking about their website, designing their website, (laughs) and like not getting a client. Like you shouldn't even have a website before you have a client. I mean, maybe you should, but that minimum viable website. So- Yeah, that's like sort of my take, but tell me about your experience personally with like your first website and how that kind of translated into getting business or not. Yeah, I feel like for me, my website, like you said, it's a home base. It's a place where I can syndicate my newsletter. I can promote some resources, things like that. But as far as it being a sales tool, I would say it is not. Like, I wouldn't even put it on the list of things that result in business for me. Really, Um, Kaylee? But you have such a nice website. I love that you have, like, this opinion on it, though. Like, it's actually (laughs) cracking me up. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I just, it's like, okay. I mean, it it is funny. It is a little contrarian because I do spend a lot of time working on it, like, adding new content to it and updating testimonials. So, I guess I do that for peace of mind, but 
when I step back and look at all the ways that I get clients, 99% of them happen within my email inbox. They don't even go through my website at all. Don't you think the way that I've looked at websites is like somebody's going to Google your name and your website just needs to legitimize you. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there are many uses for websites in terms of like you could write tons of content to make yourself rank in search. But outside of that, like when someone, I guarantee you that a lot of the people that are in your email inbox are also Googling Kaylee Moore and they look at your nice website and they're like, oh yeah, she's, she's good. She knows what she's doing. That's probably a fair assessment. I think though, when I echo what you said about talking to early stage freelance writers who are so hung up on the website piece, I think it's a kind of a waste of time and and resources too. Because the other thing that I see is they hire some expensive designer to build out a really fancy website for them. And they're sold all these promises of it'll help you with SEO and it'll help clients find you. And the reality is there's so much competition out there that number one, SEO is probably not realistic (laughs) as far as you're starting. At least not. Yeah. Yeah. If you're start, yeah, if you're just getting started, it's going to take a while for SEO to work because that's the nature of SEO. But I, I see it become a major, major investment. Whereas that money could have been better spent on other things, basically anything else. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and there are so many, and there's so many great tools out there now too for templates for drag and drop to just like you said, throw something together. It doesn't have to be a sticking point, and it shouldn't be because, like you said do you have a client? Like that's a more important question than do you have a fancy website? Yeah. And all of my first business was gotten over email before I had a website when I worked in house and I had like a LinkedIn profile that, you know, showed I was a content writer. That's where I started. I, oh, wait, wait, yeah, that yeah. makes me think though, a fellow writer who's kind of been doing this just as long as we have Shayla Price is her name. To this day, she still does not have a personal website. She only uses LinkedIn, which I think is really interesting. And she gave some backstory on why she decided to make that decision. But for her, it was never a factor. It was like, LinkedIn's there. It's there if they want to verify that I am who I say I am. But I don't, I just don't waste any time maintaining a site or hosting it or doing any of that because I don't need it. So I thought that that was interesting perspective to add in. Websites are a vanity thing. That's why. Like, that is why it doesn't matter. And I think it's also like why a lot of people get wrapped up in it because they're like, this is the face of me on the internet. Who do I want to be? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's an old YouTube video. It's like, what does it mean about me if I choose this nail polish color? And I feel like it's like the same thing with (laughs) websites. It's like, who am I on the internet if I, so I am like this. So I want to talk a little bit about it for me because like I like websites are like a huge sticking point for me. I'm like such a perfectionist about it. I'm not technical. It's a source of endless frustration. So I want to talk a little bit about my journey with my website and then I want to hear about yours. So when I first went off on my own, I worked with a designer and I paid him, I don't know, not much money to create a logo and like a style sheet, like the fonts and whatever you call it. I'm not a designer, so I don't know what it's called, but like a style sheet for my business. And for the first like, I, th- I want to say four years, I used it. I could barely update my website. My husband built it on GitHub. He's a developer. So he's like, I'll just spin up something for you on GitHub. It was the reason we chose GitHub was in part because it was free. Like there was no hosting fee. There was nothing. It was hosted on GitHub. And I was such a perfectionist that my husband was like, he's not a web developer, but he was like, I don't have the expertise 
or in something like WordPress to customize it in the way that you want because you're so, so specific, but I can with GitHub. So let's just get cracking on it. So I used that website forever. I could like barely add a blog post. It was like impossible to do anything. And whenever I did want to do something, my husband and I would sit down over the weekend and we'd spend like hours working on it. And we kind of, eventually we reached the conclusion, especially I reached the conclusion like, hey, I need a more professional website. And for me, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to like spin up something on Squarespace because of that vanity thing I talked about. I knew that I was going to have to like spend the money and do the thing and do the freaking website. And it cost me $10,000. But it, I, I really feel like it was $10,000 that I've made back because my website like super legitimizes me now. Um, like when someone visits my website now versus back then, I think they're like, whoa, this person like looks good. And I think your website probably didn't cost you $10,000 and does the same thing. But I have like this whole chip on my shoulder about websites. So I don't know. I, I don't even know if that answers any of the questions about like how to do a freelance website. But like <laughs> to me, it's like this, whole, it's like a, there's like, it's a whole thing for me. Like I have like a lot of self-worth tied up in the website thing and you don't, which is why I'm so glad we're having this conversation. So tell me about like what it is for you. <laughs> so that's really funny. That makes me think about, well, like, what is that thing that's my hang up? And I think for me, it's probably Instagram. If you look at my Instagram, there's so many like super filtered, <laughs> super <laughs> like glamorous photos where I'm like, this is who I am on the internet. And if you know me in real life, like that is very much a performance. That's not me. But it's a place online where it's like, I have this real estate. It's mine. I can be whatever I want to be. And so I think Instagram is that for me. Whereas the website, I think of it as more of like a hub for the transition that I'm in right now with my business where I'm doing more teaching, I'm doing more coaching. It's not really a client-facing asset for the day-to-day work that I do, writing blog content. It's there if somebody wants to find me and quickly like verify my credentials. They can kind of see some of my past work, get a feel for my writing, see a picture of my face. If that's, you know, like, who is this person? If they want to put a face to the brand. But other than that, for me, it's very much become a resource center rather than a sales tool. And so- Oh my God, Kaylee, I have like my head in my hands right now. Why? Because like, I'm like, maybe I've been thinking about this whole thing all wrong. It's a spectrum, Emma. We're all doing different things for different reasons. No, I know. But it's just like, I'm really, this is like an illuminating conversation because what you said makes me think of this other hangout with websites is you need to like redesign your website every five years, like just based on like changing who you are and what you do. But in your version, it's just like, it doesn't have that same kind of gravitas. I don't know. Keep talking. (laughs) Okay. So I, and like I said, I do spend a lot of time updating the website. I have used the same template. It's looked essentially the same, maybe swapped out some photos. So they're a little bit more current because it has been seven years and I'm not 20 something years old anymore. But I think that for me, most of the change and time that I've invested into it is like I said, making it more of a resource center rather than like a client facing sales tool. So I think in the early days, it very much was. So I first operated as Lumen Ventures, which was my branded faceless company where it was like a positioning thing. I wanted to appear bigger and more experienced than I was because I was in reality like the scared 
25 year old trying to figure stuff out and wanted a little bit more legitimacy, which we talked about in one of the earlier episodes. Whereas now, because I am busy with work, I don't really focus as much on driving sales through my website. I focus more on maintaining the relationships I already have and then using the website as kind of a new funnel, a new way to reach people who are like, okay, it seems like she's got this figured out. How do I kind of do that too? Like, how can I learn from the mistakes that she's made and maybe skip over some of those? That's my hope with what the website does now. Well, I think it gets at one of these challenges is like, how do you sort of grow your business and how does the website accommodate that? Because I think that many of us have multiple audiences, like almost all of us, especially when you get more and more seasoned and more of an expert, you start being like, okay, I did, I know how to run a freelance writing business now, and now I'm going to work on teaching others what I know. And so then you sort of grow two audiences. You have like the client audience, and then you have a peer audience. And so like figuring out how to combine those on the website is an interesting challenge as you grow. I do think that anybody listening should be taking like your advice in the sense of like, it's not super important. Don't get hung up on it. You can be seven years in and be wildly successful without, I don't know, how much does your website cost per month? Like nothing. I think it's like probably like $100 a year for hosting and the Squarespace. Yeah. So like really minimal. And you probably don't invest loads of money in like a developer or designer, right? none. None. Yeah. Exactly. And my, so like, like you said, I have a I have a partner who helps me with graphic design stuff, so that's a cost savings. Of course, if I didn't have that, I would have to hire someone, but even so, it's like I think it's still very much in the like minimum viable website stage because it's serving its purpose, but it's not there's no bells and whistles, it's not fancy. Oftentimes I look at it and I'm like, "Man, I've seen so many other freelancer websites who look so much better and so much more modern and polished, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, I just don't give that many shits about it." But that's also like, I don't think you need to. I mean that in the best way. Like I look at your website and I'm like, it's as good as mine and mine costs. It costs $10,000 for the branding and the development, which like, I, as, as I said, I believe that I've made back. And then I was going to do a calculation of like per month or per year, my website, just like the hosting and the development cost me $720 a year. So my website now costs me seven times as much per year. And that's not including like any custom dev. It's probably more than that. But we both have maybe some of the same goals or doing similar kind of work. So like there is a spectrum, as you said. But I don't think that anyone new to the business should be too hung up on it. And I've seen seasoned people who like update their website once a year. And I'm like, that just does not seem like worth the investment of the money or the time or the energy. The weird thing though, and I I have seen that too, and sometimes I find it intriguing because it's this one piece of online real estate you have where you get to call the shots, you get to talk about yourself. It's totally appropriate and not vain or disgusting or weird because that is the purpose of this website, to tell the world who you are and what you do. So you have this opportunity to build out this whole kind of alter ego of yourself where you can do photo shoots all the time and rebrand and like get custom colors. And it's fun because it's an excuse to be like, look at me, you know, like this is what I'm up to this year. And that's totally fine. I'm envious of that sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I was doing a fun photo shoot and like creating this character for myself. But But don't you think it's a bunch of bullshit? Like, I mean, not in the sense that it's not like fun to do, but just like, I don't think it has business value. 
I don't know because the people that I'm thinking of who do this have very successful businesses. So again, it's probably a spectrum. It's probably, it depends what's the audience want and what do they need and what do they expect from the creator or writer, whatever you want to call them. So yeah, it's a tough thing, but I want to get into like some specific tactical advice for websites. So let's kind of talk about core pages that people should include and kind of some notes on what they should include as like basic things you need on your website. So let's start with the homepage. What do you think a freelance writer should absolutely have on their homepage? They need a picture of themselves. I think a photo is really important because it humanizes you. Like otherwise you basically look like a bot on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think having your photo and some info about you is really important. I think having services that you offer, and this can like take many forms. So when I work with coaching clients, I'm like, what are, I try and encourage them to think of three services they think they might be interested in. And I'm like, be specific with the first two. Maybe you're going to say you're going to offer email copy and you're going to offer Facebook ad copy. And maybe that third one is kind of a bucket, like, general copywriting. So that like allows you to explore, but I think it's helpful to be specific about the services that you're offering on your page. Testimonials are huge. Um, and I think we could have a whole episode actually on testimonials and how to get them, especially like when you're just starting. But even if you're just starting, you should be able to get some testimonials for your site. I think those aspects are really important. What do you think that needs to be on the homepage? I think the things I look for is like a quick tagline that sums up exactly what you do, like a phrase or a sentence that encapsulates in a really simple, easy to understand format, exactly the services you offer. I think quick validators are really important too. So like, obviously this is for more established writers, but like, who are the clients that you've worked with where similar clients are going to look at that and see, oh, they're like me. So they know my business. Yeah. People always include like as featured in publications. I think that that's really just kind of like an ethos builder. I don't think it's really a deciding factor for a lot of people, but it's just kind of another form of validation. And like you said, I think testimonials are really important. I think clarity is the big thing on a homepage is like, can somebody look at your site and within five seconds understand exactly what you do? Well, the so five that should be, seconds. Yeah. yeah the five above seconds. The fold, is it clear? Yeah. I think that's 100% right. And I think that thinking about the website as more like a validation piece of like somebody, imagine they already kind of know about you. They were referred to you and they're going there to your website to like check up to see if you're legit. Because that is what I'm seeing from the path is usually. It is for me. It sounds like it is for you. And I think it is for most freelance writers. So if they go to your website, are they going to have a sense that they're like, oh yeah, she does this or he does this? or they do it, right? Like what, what, and that message needs to get across. Like you said five seconds, maybe they say the internet attention span is eight seconds, but like somebody's going to do a quick scroll. And what I tell coaching clients is for that minimum viable website, actually just make it one page. Like, don't worry. Like you can have like we could talk about the about page next, but you can have a little bit about you on that homepage. So don't stress out about building out this big website with services pages. Just like get something up there, one page about who you are and what you offer. And that's why I sort of encourage them to focus on the services. And then I do think when we're talking about tactical stuff, it's like, well, what services exist where you could put something up? Squarespace is great. 
There's WordPress templates, but there, I think that's like a little bit more complicated, although some people will be more comfortable. I know writers that have websites built on Wix and they've really liked Wix. I don't know. Do you, can you think of any others that like good website builders? Weebly in the same category. A lot of those are like really low cost, quick to launch, like not a lot of advanced features, which is perfect for somebody who just kind of wants to get something up. Like you said, I think if you have a one page with a little bit about you, your services and a way to get in touch, that's probably all you need to get rolling. And then you can iterate and kind of expand from there. Yeah. And as we've mentioned, like don't spend too much time getting hung up on the design and the fonts and the logo and the whatever. I think that's a I've been in business for six months. Maybe now I should get a logo and some styling as opposed to I'm just starting out before I get a client. Let's, you know, build out this beautiful website. Like the problem with doing that is that it's probably not going to serve you and then you're going to have to redo it. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even though I have this fancy website now, I ran my business with a $0 website for four years and you're, you're still running your business with a, Uh, you know, maybe not zero dollar, but a more minimal website than you could afford. Like if you wanted something more, you could have that. I actually think there's lots of examples out there too of like, sometimes what I do as an exercise is I Google copywriters or freelance writers that I admire and I see what comes up for their website and their web presence. And then you'll see often that someone who you think is like, I don't know, super famous or fancy with their website actually has kind of a minimum viable website. And it might not say that much, but it's still serving them well. So again, that's maybe a helpful exercise for people. Yeah. Almost every journalist that I've looked into uses that format. It's like a one page, super simple bio and a contact like email address, nothing fancy, maybe some clips, but like not a robust website at all. Yeah, and that actually reminds me, Kaylee, I wanted to ask you, like, if you're not using your website for showing everything that you do and who you are and making it perfect for the client, when is the opportunity to share that with the client? Is it just in your email inbox, like typewritten in a a Gmail message? Or, I mean, I have like a lookbook where people can see my services that I email to them. But what do you think about that? I think, so the approach I use is I have some curated samples of like the best pieces of work that I do for like my most ideal clients on my about page. I just kind of threw them there because I didn't want to create a separate tab for a lot of clips that people could get lost in. And it was super overwhelming. I just selected like three basically. And then I included some podcast interviews as well in case people were looking for some sort of like what I sound like, which I don't think they ever are, but it's there. I think curation is the biggest thing to keep in mind there. You don't need to include every single sample of writing work that you've ever done. You just want to highlight the best work for the most ideal clients. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that you and I have taken different approaches to like how we get the same information to our clients. So like I know I remember seeing that you have like a maybe it's like a rates or FAQs thing for yes. clients on your website. Like I give that same information, but I do it via a, an onboarding doc, that, that like a PDF. Mm-hmm. So I think like, again, there's many different ways of doing the same thing, but neither of our options are, I don't know, they're not like in your face on the website. Like I think yours is maybe linked on your website, but it's not something that's in your face. Like 
Yeah, the rates page that I have is for the people who basically make it through the initial filter of they've been referred to me or they've like the contact form that they've submitted, everything lines up. And so we're going to continue the conversation. That's when I'll share my rates based on word count or project size, my availability. And also I'll link to that page, which is hidden in the navigation of the site that I have now. It's not something you can just go and look for, but I link to it in that first email which is sort of onboarding with the potential client so that they have that information on like, how do I pay you? And what are the expectations here? And, and all the specifics on my rates. And I think what has been most illuminating to me is that I've discovered people do not read. People do not read. Even if you take all the time in the world to create a beautiful onboarding document, everything is clear as day. They won't click on that thing they want that you want them to click on. They will not go and read all of the things that you've written down. So you're going to end up telling them 13 or 14 times before it sticks. At least uh, that's been my experience. No, I agree. And I think you and I have discussed this before where like I gave a presentation at Domina, our retreat, and I talked about my onboarding process. And I remember you being like, do people even read that? And I was like, <laughs> I don't think so. But that's right. You were like, do people even read that like beautiful doc that you provide for them? And I was like, honestly, no, that isn't the point for me. The point for me is to show them that I have an established process. And even if they never look at that, they sort of know that I'm being really thoughtful as a business person. So it's like more of like an image thing. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Right. So I, I mean, I think you're right. Like people don't read, but I remember giving that presentation about onboarding and you being like, Emma, I don't even think people would read that. Like, like, Shut up, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think I thought you, I think you're right. And I think it's worth talking about that. I mean, some people will devour anything you put out there. Other people just want to like skim for legitimacy, like skim yeah. for legitimacy could be the name of, I don't know, my memoir, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I would totally pick that up. I think that we've given our opinions and ideas about freelance writer websites. We have opinions (laughs) on this. And like it's it is tied up in a lot of stuff for me personally. And we would love to hear from any listeners about your own feels about your website. So, you know, please tweet at us and let us know um, if you have any website stories of your own. But Besides yeah, that. and if you wildly disagree with the things that we've talked about, we want to hear that too because maybe it's one of those eye-opening things where it's like, I haven't thought about that before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give us your two cents. Even the two of us have wildly different ideas about how our websites have served us. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode of Freelance Writing Coach. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com podcastedition.com provided editing and Ali Rico provided writing assistance.